0: Welcome, daters, to
1: The Yentas. We are three matchmakers.
0: Ben Shalom. Michal Neistetter.
1: And
2: Danielle Selber. Yenta can carry a negative
0: gossipy connotation. We are not that. We are love professionals and proud to be Yentas. This
1: is a part of our tradition, our history. We support you on your search for your person.
2: The three of us met for coffee many years ago, and we've collaborated and supported each other and our clients ever since.
0: This is your invite to our chat at the virtual coffee shop. Who should you date? Who should you marry? These are the biggest decisions that a person can make. You don't have to do it alone. You've got us. Ready? Come on in. Take a seat.
1: today uh, is Lashon. And so the reason we chose this is because so in modern Hebrew, it means like tongue, and you can also use it like um, another word for language, right? Like your mother tongue, the first language you speak. And some of the ways that it's used in Hebrew are, we have the term which means guarding the tongue, like guarding how you speak. And then we also have lashon which is um, evil speech probably sounds a little bit too intense, but it's the concept of um, speaking Speaking ill or speaking poorly.
0: Um, and Aliza, this is a. This is a heavy topic, correct? This is a big one? Yeah, this is huge. There are dozens and dozens of books written on this. And we dig into when it's permissible to say what, about whom, and why. And there's all sorts of conditions that we need to meet before we're just schmoozing and speaking about somebody else. First of all, we shouldn't be just schmoozing and speaking about anybody. We normally want to talk about somebody when there's a certain purpose to it, right? So in matchmaking, We're not talking about other people for the sake of talking, right? Yentas are just, you know, blabbermouths and gossips, but we're not. We're conversing about other people for the purpose of setting them up, finding the right partner, and helping to make qualified matches, which really makes sense. But sometimes you have to give all sorts of information, and how do we filter what that information is? And there's all sorts of conditions that – that go through this i mean there's there's a series of books that we have that literally goes through a lesson a day mm-hmm. right there are more than 365 and they will go through at least one a day for a whole year that you can learn from and really internalize so that you speak appropriate appropriately and when you need to speak up and say something you should and when you need to quiet your tongue so we've got two amazing gates one is your teeth and one is your lips and that's what can hold things in when really something shouldn't come out
2: yeah the idea is that we have a mouth and we have our teeth and they are thereby designed to prevent misuse of the tongue. And I think the question is, why are we discussing this in relation to matchmaking? And it's because this is a cornerstone of Jewish ethics. And it's really important for everyone who thinks about Jewish matchmaking or wants to be a Yenta or wants to set up their friends to really think about this um, deeply. So, yeah, the idea is that you don't want to lower people in the estimation of others,
0: correct? You don't even want to exaggerate in either direction, right? We don't want to, like, build somebody up. They're amazing. How many people have said that about somebody? Like, oh, my gosh, they're unbelievable. Me? um, Right? Right, they're amazing. Wait, wait, why don't we just say what they are? Why don't we just define what makes them amazing. Don't tell me an adjective about them. Tell me a story to show me who they are. That gives me so much more information and it's accurate and it's guarding our tongue appropriately so that we only say what's necessary.
2: Yeah, but the idea is that like it's it's not even about lying. It's it's about truth, but the truth can be negative and the truth can be harmful. Right, it could be it could be an infection or a disease that somebody lives with. Are there other examples that we think about in dating?
0: People, you know, even somebody's out of a job, or you don't think that they earn a good living. They have a job, but right, you're you're like, well, I mean, they have a job, but it's not you know, it's not the best job in the world, right? What did we just do? We just identified something negative. First of all, it's a judgment, right? Compared to whom? Relative oh. to what? And And is it appropriate? Because now I have a certain concept in my head. You just said something. And once you say it, you can never take it back. It's there right yeah. it entered into my head my ears my brain i've got this and now i have a certain opinion of somebody and i might not set them up or not want to introduce them to somebody because of what you just told me
2: there was a jewish tale about this that talked about like a pillow full of feathers and once you talk about someone then all the feathers get released and so what what are you going to do gather up the feathers it's mm-hmm. it's impossible to do right and how can you really make amends and you
1: know that the phrase like the toothpaste is out of the tube, it comes from that story. The idea that like once the toothpaste
2: is out, you can't bring it back in. It's,
1: it comes from the doing <laughs> I always love that.
2: Yeah. So how do we talk about daters? Because we want to we want to market them, right? We want to talk about their good qualities. And we also have to be careful about certain disclosures and I like, I just want to admit right here that I am not perfect. Probably nobody on this podcast is perfect, but I'll just speak for myself that I'm not perfect. And I remember when I was at Jewish summer camp um, as a kid, I like kept a little list of all of the hookups that happened that summer. Um, it just private. It was in my notebook, but I did. You and were a Yenta
0: and a matchmaker from a long time ago. 100%.
2: 100%. Um, but I wasn't labeled a Yenta. I was labeled a gossip queen. And okay, so it's good to be the queen, but not when it's something negative. And what I realized is that like, yes, I kept the list, but everybody was talking about all of the hookups without regard for who you know, we're discussing. And I, I think I just want to disclose that like I too am a work in progress and I really want to help daters in this world, but this is a concept that I wanted to delve into.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel like it happens in in my day to day life. You know, you say you're a matchmaker, and everyone's like, "Ooh, ah," and they want to hear the stories, right? And they want right, to hear like, right. all the things, the weird things. That
0: people what's, what's the craziest story that's ever happened? Uh-huh. What's the worst date that you've ever heard about? What's the most horrible thing that somebody did in the oh, middle of a 100%. date? Oh my god, I have a story for you. <laughs> I was it was, was just like, wait, be I'm, careful. What are you going to say? <laughs> no, no, it's it's well,
2: I was just okay. It's okay. Um. I was at a Thanksgiving dinner and this guy said, what do you do when you meet someone who isn't matchable? And I was like, wow, that's a really good question. And he was like, do you just say, I'm going to match you with a cat? (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Um, But we all have those moments where we meet people and we're like, wow, who could I match you with? How? How do I describe you Mm -hmm. to someone else? You know, like Maybe you live in your parents' basement. Maybe you're really short. I mean, whatever. But how do we talk about someone in a proper way? Mm
0: -hmm. Right. So first of all, saying somebody's unmatchable, like, woo, woo, red flag, siren. He said it, not me. I know, I know. I'm not saying for you, but for him, right? So, So talking about somebody who's unmatchable, right? Definitely we know that that's not appropriate. But then, like, you're saying these details, like, well, lives in, you know, his parents' basement. Do I say that? Don't I say that? You know, he's not living on his own. He's living with his family. Is it necessary to tell them where in the house he is living, right? Is that appropriate? It will come up anyway. It can come up from him. It can come directly from the source. And so there is a concept of information coming from the source as opposed to it coming second, third, fourth hand. So if you're hearing something directly from him, or if he would say to you, listen, Michal, I really need your help. Could you please share this information? I have a hard time giving it over. And I would appreciate if on my behalf, you could speak for me. Right, so now you have permission to speak, but you still have to guard what you're saying and how you're saying it. But but when somebody's asking you to support them, right? There's more leniency with what you can do, and you can check in with them what they're comfortable with you sharing. But if they don't know what you're saying, and it's just like, well, they know that you're going to say something, right? We know that we can help to put somebody's best foot forward, but we're not going to use flattery or something that's, again, even positive over-exaggeration is negative speech, right? It's not just negative things that we say. If I would also say something that is so over-the-top, exaggerated, oh my gosh, that person is amazing, unbelievable, you wouldn't, I, I don't even know. I mean, there's like no words for it, Okay. I we've done that, that about
2: each other. <laughs>
0: we have to up but we've done it to uplift each other, but we have
2: been hyperbolic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we have to be careful. We just have to watch what we're saying and and just be clear, right? I love working with Michal because she's sh- sharp. She's on target. She deeply cares about people, right? This is all factual information. It's not go over-exaggerated. <laughs> I, I could go on. I could. You want no, me to keep going? Um, Danielle, did you want to And Danielle, something? heart of gold. Okay, yes. and that's not an over-exaggeration because she really loves everybody. And she goes to extreme lengths, which is also true. Like, again, extreme lengths. Is that an exaggeration? Well, for some people it might be, but Danielle she is really out there talking to many people doing so much in the world. And in terms of network and connections, you know, in Philly, um, I just, I don't know who else to call Danielle. I know. Well, I, I, think,
2: I think that Danielle, tell me if this is exaggeration, but I do believe, Danielle, that you're a creative genius. And that's how I just described you. To I the... would definitely call an exaggeration, but thank you, Sorry, Danielle. You're very sweet. It's what I want to say. It's what I want to say in the moment. And and I'm just saying that Danielle and I just got together with someone right now and had a meeting and I just connected you two because we're going to do a a dating event on death and dating. It's going to be death positive. And I was like, I need you to meet Danielle because she's a creative genius. And I knew that if you met this other person that is a death doula, like we can make some sparky, beautiful ideas for
0: creative. Well, sure.
1: isn't it true that there's also a big difference what you would say to someone's face versus what you would say when they're not in the room, right? Like, so true. Right, there's another issue. To me about me and to, to you while I'm yeah, here.
2: Yeah, so don't so. be mad. <laughs> don't be mad at me. <laughs> not
1: at all. I guess it's like, it's, have you ever been in a conversation where someone says, like, I would say this to this person's face anyway? And then they go on to say something that's like sort of mean or like, um, you know, right. negative. Like that's not really... Mm, it doesn't really count right like unless well even
0: and even if they would say it to their face that doesn't make it permissible it just still means what might come out of your mouth is going to be a problem so just because you don't have a filter that's clear enough that's why there's so many rules and and so many ways that we have to look at this before we actually open our mouth to say something I mean even this whole podcast and us all talking about it it's like oh it's making my skin crawl I'm like oh you know And right, the other thing
2: kidding. is I wanna say something to all of you listeners. Um, I love you, but the person who the person who listens is actually considered worse. If we were sitting here gossiping, no, don't don't unsubscribe. <laughs>
0: Stay here with us, but Right, so that's why also we have, like, you always wonder why your ears are created in a certain way. That's so that your fingers can either, A, plug them in and close them so you don't have to listen to it, or stick that little, you know, that little nub and just close it right like that, and then you don't have to hear it. Because a gossiper doesn't have any place to gossip if you're not listening. They're just talking to nobody. It goes nowhere. But if you stand there and you receive it, then you're assisting them to do it because they couldn't do it without you there.
2: So what should you say? I, that's
0: an, a fascinating point. You, so what right. should you So say? some people would change the topic. You know, you also have to be sensitive about not embarrassing somebody in front of other people, right? You could excuse yourself and walk away, right? It might not stop the person. Um, You could shift the conversation or you could even say something like, I'm a little uncomfortable right now, right? And then also like you need to say something and then shift and so that we move out of that moment. If somebody keeps talking, yes, at a certain point you actually should walk away because again, they won't have an audience if you're not standing there.
1: So should we get to our our caller? Does our
2: caller have something to do with this question of the day? Um yes, we are going to be bringing on um a question. We're also going to be having someone join in on the fun today. Um so he'll be joining our little meeting. His name is Jeremy and I don't want to use too good of words now, but I'm holding <laughs> oh, gosh, but for me, I'm just going to be Good real. job. Good job. <laughs> okay, I'm trying. Um close your ears everybody, but um <laughs> He's really inspirational for me. Um, I met him through someone like through Tribe 12, and he's a coach that helps people who are neurodivergent make connections in their life, um, friendship, and dating connections. And he's been asking the matchmaking world to try to take this on. How can, how might we help people who are neurodivergent find ways to make connections? And I find him fascinating and inspirational. So we're going to have him on today because it connects to our caller and- it's here. I'll just press play. We're going to go for it.
1: My name is Sally. I'm from Long Island, New York. I'm a 36-year-old female, Jew, uh reformed Jew, and I work as a teacher's assistant at a school for autism. I feel like there's not enough awareness of the possibility that somebody who's neurodivergent like me and somebody who is um, neurotypical and not on the spectrum could work as a couple. So my question is, how should I go about finding a neurotypical person today? Oh, and uh, I actually had another question in mind. Um, how would you try to get over the hurdle of um, being rejected from a neurotypical person because of what you are as a neurodivergent?
2: What a question. Yeah, so there's there's
1: kind of two overarching questions here. The first is, why is there this um, stigma that neurodivergent and neurotypical folks can't or shouldn't date? And then how does a a specific date or this person deal with the the rejection that comes from that stigma, right?
2: Yeah. What a question, because rejection is extremely hard for anyone. But I think for people who are neurodivergent, they get it more than the rest of the world does Mm -hmm. so it creates extreme isolation yeah because you know if you keep on getting rejected you're not going to want to always get back up again right
1: yeah well let's think about like where does it come from right like I would say that like when I started doing matchmaking I think I I did assume and would have assumed that folks who were neurotypical may not be interested in dating neurodivergent folks right that there was just like too much difference there or something But as I went through it, I learned from the folks that I was matching that that wasn't always true, that those assumptions were actually um, unfounded and unfair. And that, in fact, it goes in both directions. People are willing to date in both directions that you wouldn't
0: necessarily assume. I think that neurodivergent came, you know, like it's it's a new term, so to speak, right, like 20, 30 years ago. I don't think this was a conversation people were having like people would just be like oh well somebody's a little bit quirky or or just different or there's like other language that would that people would use and i think there's such a a better definition of it today and a better understanding and i think that the best way for people to connect is through meeting up because you don't really Like if we just go by labels and I wanna introduce you to somebody and then we're labeling different people, right? This in line with Lashon, right? How much do we say? How much don't we say? Um, I think it's important that we have this acknowledgement of when we meet with people, you never know what's going to happen. When they meet each other, you just don't know what's going to happen. And when we give so many details about everything that's going on, it's very difficult for us to make a decision because I don't have any experience of them. I only have an experience of how you define them. And I might not fully comprehend that until I actually am with somebody and I experience them. And that experience can bring about a lot of of change in, in how I how I choose to date and who I choose to date.
2: Beautifully said, Aliza. I'm going to quickly introduce Jeremy because he joined us. Um, so Jeremy Hamburg is a dating and friendship coach who empowers autistic adults to make friends and build relationships, start dating, and find love. And Jeremy has 12 12- years of experience and is an incredible coach so welcome to the yentas you're our first guest ever jeremy
3: hi yentas i love yentas
2: (laughs) why do you love yentas (laughs) Uh,
3: because i'm jewish uh, (laughs) i I grew up with lots of yentas i should have probably gotten better dressed though for my yentas didn't know this was uh didn't know this was video next next time i'll do my hair
2: Jeremy, the question is about neurodivergent dating. Um, could you actually start with defining the word neurodivergent for the audience?
3: Yeah, uh, I, I think that the word neurodivergent probably differs depending on who you're, you're, you're talking to. You know, a kind of standard definition is that, you know, it's a person whose brain function, brain wiring um, is just considered different f- from what's typical or, or what's normal. Um, And so it's oftentimes used to describe people who uh, are on the autism spectrum, but it can be used to describe people with other uh, neurological differences and other different brain wiring. So it's kind of a very personal thing, uh, whether someone considers themselves neurodivergent, neurodivergent or not. I won't get too deep into the weeds on the fact that I don't even know what neurotypical means anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, since all of our brains are differently wired, but I can appreciate the need in some contexts to have a word that sort of describes the fact that one person's brain works differently from another person's brain, especially when it comes to socializing and dating. It's
2: like we really have to break down the word normal, which we don't we'll do that on right. episode. right.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> and so you I mean, you deal with this every day, right? You're working specifically with folks who are neurodivergent or, or some realm of that and are, and are looking to date or trying to date in an already impossible dating universe.
3: Yeah. All of our clients uh, at My Best Social Life are neurodivergent in some way. Some of them have autism uh, diagnoses. Some of them don't. Some people... Like their diagnoses and really identify it with identify with it. Some people really don't like the label at, at all. Um, but all of our clients uh, that we work with at My Best Social Life, uh, their brain is is wired differently, which makes it a challenge to socialize, make friends, or or date. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, if the caller's question was really about the rejection that comes from dating as 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 that person do you have any thoughts about how you can deal with rejection
3: you know I, I think that rejection is dealt with differently by by different people and i am not sure whether you know an average neurodiverse person feels rejection differently than an average neurotypical person does mm-hmm. right for some people uh, a breakup is just a doorway to the next opportunity and for some people it feels like you know, like the, like the earth is shattering and their life is coming apart. Um, You know, I, I think the question that was sort of posed to me was, you know, what happens when the, when the breakup is caused by my neurodiversity? Yeah. And, you know, my first thought when I heard that question Um, I I have two thoughts, you know, one of them was about what happens at the beginning of of the the relationship and one of them is what happens in the middle of it. At the beginning of the relationship, I think it's really important for people to Mm self-disclose, meaning I think it's really important for partners to be open with each other and potential partners to be open with each other about what their differences are in all kinds of ways, right, how their brains work differently how their philosophies on money are differently how their philosophies on religion are different right there are all these things that that two people bring to the table that are so different from one another and the success of a relationship really is based on in large part the ability of those two people to talk about those things and navigate them and bridge the gaps and for the longest time especially in the autism community people didn't want to talk about autism
1: yeah
3: or they it's didn't even know it. they were autistic but now you know a lot of people do and some people still don't want to talk about it right that's because why we have
2: to that's why you are so important um i'm sorry if i'm promoting him whatever but um it that's works. why you are so important um in demystifying and destigmatizing Along with people who are autistic and neurodivergent, to well self-disclose, be on social media for people who have dated people who are neurodivergent, like um, Amy Schumer, Um talks about yes,
3: Amy great.
2: Schumer, uh, which by the way, I wrote to you on Instagram, waiting for you to write back to me. No big deal. Um, Am I on Instagram? No, no, not you. I wrote to Amy uh, okay. <laughs> because because she has a she has a personal goal of destigmatizing and demystifying. I think that that's beautiful. I think Amen. that's a huge, huge first step for the world?
3: Absolutely. So, you know, self-disclosure is really important. And I tell, we work with, with our clients on self-disclosure every day. And what we tell our clients is like, you don't need to attach a label to how your brain works, right? Self-disclosure doesn't need, need to mean that you're labeling yourself, right? It can be done in a way that just explains what you're good at, what your challenges are so that the other person doesn't create his or her own narrative about who you are and what's going wrong.
2: Can you give examples, please, of how you've seen your clients do that?
3: Yeah, so we, I, I have a good friend named Steven Rodriguez. Um, Steven is, uh, he's on the spectrum. He is married. He has two kids who I believe are also on the spectrum. He is a business owner, right? And And part of what makes him successful is that he controls his narrative. And so, you know, we asked him to share with our community um, what does he do? And so he says to people something like, look, I'm gonna be able to fool you for about 10 minutes into thinking that I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. And in about 10 minutes, you're gonna start realizing that, you know, I look around in a hundred different directions and I'm playing with my fingers, you know, and uh, and I might look lost to you. And, and so I don't want you to think that I'm not interested. I am, the fact that I'm still here, And still talking to you means that I'm interested, but my brain is wired differently. And so it means that, you know, the way that I pay attention looks different. Don't freak out. It's just who I am. But I want you to know that I'm really good at what I I do. And I really enjoy being here. And if something changes, I'll let you know. Right. Something like that. Mm. It doesn't use the word neurodivergent. It doesn't use the word autism or Asperger's or anything like that. It just acknowledges that the other person is going to see that his brain works differently and don't freak out about it. Have a conversation about
0: it instead. I love the open communication. I love that the person who's got something going on is explaining their thinking. Like you said, I'm not, I don't have to guess about your behavior and why you're doing this. You're going to tell me and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks yeah. for informing me. Now I know what to expect. And when I have a certain understanding, then what happens doesn't shock me anymore because you prepped me for it. So I I feel a little bit more at ease and I love that everything for you is based around communication and it sounds like you work on this day in and day out, right? Get the communication right because if you understand you and you understand your brain and you can articulate that to somebody else and they can understand you and they can understand your brain and your actions and what's going on, then you get to build a connection and when you build a connection, the whole world opens up to you.
3: And just to stack on what you said, Eliza, you know, now that we live in a world in which almost everybody knows someone who's neurodivergent or on the spectrum, the fact that you're able to talk about the way that your brain works differently allows them to connect your experience and who you are to other people that they know and they love. Mm-hmm. So it's not so scary anymore, right? Um, and so we've actually seen people take their, their self-disclosure, which they were originally fearful of because they thought it would shut a door, and it actually opens one. Yeah. Because it allows other people to say, well, you've been vulnerable. Now I can be vulnerable with you. I can share you some of the things that are different about me.
1: It's so true. Because in general, in dating, like sometimes people are nervous even to talk to us, I think, as matchmakers about the things that make them different, whether or not it's related to the way their brain works, right? But I find it easier when somebody tells me something really hyper-specific about them and like Funny. the way that they interact with the world or their interests or whatever. That helps me pinpoint so much more easily like who they are and what they're about and who I could match them with.
2: I can give examples like I met with someone a few weeks ago um, who was just like, I'm wealthy and is a part (laughs) of a program that like encourages them to like self-disclose that they're wealthy, but um, they take part in this organization that diverts their wealth to like good social impact causes. And I was like, wow, that really floored me, mm. you know, just to tie this back to our theme, Jeremy, um, we were talking about LaShone and, and gossiping and talking about people. And what I find so much, um, in the dating space is that after dates, people say something along the, I just hear it constantly. of like, oh, he was definitely autistic, definitely undiagnosed autistic. Mm. Um, and Aliza was talking about how our ears are designed this way for a purpose and like it's just as bad to be the listener or or possibly far worse you know and I think if I can encourage the daters who are li- or whoever possible yentas on this call is just to be a little bit more sensitive to when people say that I have trouble reacting to that too I don't know <laughs> how to react
3: Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah lo- you know lossher is um it, it's actually even more subtle and, and destructive than, than I think we give it credit for, right? Because words have meaning, but not do, not only do words have meaning, when we utter words, when we utter Lashon Hara, we, we ingrain it in ourselves and we tend to believe it, right? So when we say something like, oh, he's an undiagnosed, you know, autistic in a way that's, that's said with like, with Lashon Hara intent, yeah. it, 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 replicates and reifies and strengthens the belief that neurodivergence and autistic is lesser. Yeah. when in fact, it's different, right? It's just different.
0: I love the word different. I love yeah. the word different. Different that's just that's means awesome. we're not the same, right? It's not more, it's not less. Oh, how was it? Oh, that was different, right? How was the date? Oh, that was a little bit different. No judgment even. I know it was good. It was bad. I don't know. It wasn't what I was used to. It was different. It says so much without a negative connotation or even a hyper positive connotation. It just says it doesn't feel familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And, how and it I think there's so much in that. Think about if you
2: think about being on a date, you know, and if somebody if if you took the time to listen to someone and actively listen and then you said, "You're different." And the way that you use your intonation, it could really open the, the gateway or the pathway for them to feel good in your presence. It's so important to use compliments that are genuine, that are real. And I think that that's a compliment depending on how it's said. But if you leave it- well, I think you follow it
0: up, right? Oh, you're yeah, like, of course. Like, of course. You're, you're different and I love it, right? You're like, yeah. You're, you make me think. I'm feeling connected. This is so engaging. I, I never thought of things that way. Now I know you're different means- I like that. Okay, you're, you're different. And I like that, that like, it, it makes me happy. It feels good.
2: So Jeremy, let's say somebody was on a date who's neurotypical with somebody who is neurodivergent. What do you think that they can do? Because the onus, we're saying that the onus is on the person who's neurodivergent to self-disclose. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend to people who go on dates or matchmakers who meet with people who are neurodivergent, who don't necessarily want to ask point blank, a question that shouldn't be asked?
3: Are you saying like, okay, I'm I'm neurotypical. I'm on a date with someone who's neurodivergent. Like what do I do with somebody who... who I
2: think is neurodivergent, who's acting in a way that like, I think is stereotypically.
3: That's a really good question. I I've actually, to be quite honest, I've never thought about it because, you know, I think a neurotypical person is, is used to finding subtle ways to start a conversation, you know, to, to have a conversation. So, you know, a subtle thing to say might be, you know, that's so interesting that you said that, like, um, you know, it's very different from what I normally hear, right? Which could potentially spur the conversation like, yeah, you know, there's a reason why that's different from from what you normally hear. Except I sometimes wonder if like someone who's neurodivergent, you know, may not glom onto that, that cue, right? Part of what almost defines neurodivergence is, um, is a challenged sort of reading the social cues that are that are being presented to you. Mm-hmm. Not the same for everybody, but I, I I have to really give that some thought, Michal, because part of me wonders if in if in general the proper approach is for someone neurotypical to just be a little bit more forthright and direct, mm. so that he or she doesn't get frustrated by uh dropping subtle hints and asking things subtly and not and not having those that subtlety picked up upon i really need to think about that more most so why, of the time why are I, we
2: placing why are we placing all of the onus on someone who is neurodivergent to self-disclose can we place a little bit on people who are neurotypical typical to open windows to show that they are interested accepting they think it's okay to be different because i think that we are the ones who are privileged
3: We are privileged. I mean, I, I would consider myself privileged and you know, I, I, something goes back to what my therapist always tells me, right? My therapist says there's the world as it is and there's the world as it should be, Mm -hmm. right? The world should be such that we are all better communicators and we are aware of neurodivergence and when we're presented with what looks like neurodivergence, a neurotypical person will approach the conversation with kindness and curiosity. That's how the world should work.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I know that that all of us who are talking here today are kind of you know dedicating ourselves to helping the neurotypical world meet the neurodivergent world halfway. But we also know that there are just going to be a lot of people who we work with and who we meet and you know who are our clients. Well, your clients, not mine, for whom um, neurodivergence and autism is just a blind spot they just don't know and you know in that situation right I, i think that the person who is different needs to recognize or it would help for them to recognize the situation that their brain does work differently the other person doesn't realize it and if they don't take control of the narrative the narrative is gonna is gonna be created for them
1: yeah
3: and that's how the world is so we can all work together towards a better world where people are more open and more communicative and more inclusive. But we also, you know, have to accept the fact that we're not going to be able to touch everybody and people are going to go on dates and their brains are going to work differently. And, you know, someone's going to need to take the lead on having that discussion in a way that's that's connecting um, and not you know uh, and not alienating.
2: Yeah,
0: clapping in the background.
2: (laughs) I do want to just say to Shelly, hey, Shelly, I think you're doing the right thing by voicing this question out loud, thinking about it. I want to show compassion to to you um, because it's easy to judge. You know anybody's dating question or what they're experiencing. It's much harder to really like think bigger and think meta about how we address this. So that's why we have you on the show today. That's why Danielle and I are thinking about a speed dating event for Valentine's Day, um, where we invite people who socialize different. That's why Jeremy, we led a brainstorm. You know, last week bringing together thought leaders um, and people who are neurodivergent and people who are parents of people who are neurodivergent because the the saying that I've I've heard is nothing about us without us, and so if anybody is listening to the call right now and has ideas, like feel free to slide into my DMs because I'm really interested in listening to how how to address this. And Amy Schumer, I'm talking to you too, um, <laughs> but but like we wanna we wanna think bigger. We want to help people who. marginalized and i think that it's it's all of our role as people who are privileged who work in the love and dating and connection and friendship space um to do this
0: thank you michael for taking that on and for really opening it up so that people can reach out to you i think that's fantastic Mm -hmm.
3: i want to just like i just want to sort of add something because um the word privilege kind of struck me and um you know there are a lot of people who we meet in the autism world who look at the autism who look at their the way that their brain works and they really feel like they're like they're at a disadvantage right and and i i do know that there are people in the autism world who wish that their brain functioned more typically and they think that typically abled people are privileged but there are a lot of people in the autism world who look at their autism And they don't think that we're privileged, right? They think we're disadvantaged. Hmm. Typically, able people are disadvantaged. And I just want us to be cautious with our words, because as I said, words have meaning. Words have create beliefs. Um, You know, I consider myself advantaged by virtue of my place in society and the education I got and the parents that I had. I consider myself a privileged person because who I am really works for me. But there are countless autistic people and neurodiverse people whose lives work for them, and they wouldn't change a darn thing. And so I just want us to be careful when we talk about privilege and disadvantage and ability and disability because different people see it differently.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because it was like hitting something inside as as the conversation was progressing. And I was going, oh, we're just doing this whole topic on Lashon, on how we yeah. speak and what we say. And this is just our perception. And the other side or many other sides are not necessarily thinking the same way and and there's a blessing to each and every one of us, who we are and what we have and how we experience the world. Oh, so sorry. I really uh, appreciate- you saying you're about
2: to do a blessing? Is that what you're- Oh, oh we're blessing. Offer? Are we a
0: blessing time?
2: Jeremy, we always end our podcast with um, a blessing. So Elisa's going to say one. And if you want to tack something on, you could feel free. But okay. before before Elisa's oh.
3: blessing, can I just share something with you that, that one of my mentors always says, and I think that it's really apropos for this. You know, my mentor- always says, God and the universe didn't create junk, and he certainly didn't start with you,
1: mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
3: right? Meaning Amen. we are all divinely perfect. We are all, you know, we are all the people that we are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our our journey in life is to find what we're supposed to be, use our strengths, right? And, and just build that muscle to, to live our purpose and um and that's sort of my that's why I do what I do that's why all of you do what you do right we're here as people who are trying to empower others to live their purpose and and, and achieve what they are destined to achieve but maybe just need a little bit of motivation and a little bit of assistance to get there and so you yeah, know i, love I always lilyantez but you know as as we allow Elisa to bless us you know the the message i always What my clients to leave with is that you are divinely perfect and there's nothing wrong with you. You're just different. And now let's find the strengths in that difference so that you can navigate the world in a way that gets you closer to your purpose.
0: I love that. I think there was like a blessing in there, something like uh, may we be blessed to see our own strengths and see the strengths in others and to build the relationships that we desire and that each and every one of us need to thrive and become our best.
2: Beautiful. Amen. 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 Now you see why I said Jeremy was inspirational Mm -hmm. and obviously Mm -hmm. obviously you are too. So thank you everybody. Today was amazing and thank you Shelly for calling in. Thanks so much for Yenta Ng with us today. Join us for coffee next week. You can find us on Instagram at Elisa Ben Shalom, at Michal Matches, at Danielle
0: Silver. If you want to submit your questions, slide into our DMs.